Ladies and gentlemen, as part of the Jeremiah Show, welcome to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Now here's the host of the show, a man who was once mistaken to be Harry Anderson when Harry Anderson was sitting right next to him. It's TV's Tim Stack. Yay! Yay me! Yay me! Uh, show number, I don't know, maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine. Show number nine, it's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Uh, thank you for joining me and us, my guest, who I'll introduce in a second. So the Harry Anderson story, I always like to start with a little Hollywood story. The Harry Anderson story is uh, I once had the really great uh, opportunity to open for Harry Anderson when he would play casinos, like Harris and Reno and Harris and Tahoe and, and some other clubs, Comedy Magic Club, because I did this crazy character at the Groundlings named Guy Simone. Who was a Frank's? Who was a bad Frank Sinatra impersonator? And Harry loved it. And Harry brought me in. He he actually um, had fired somebody. I won't mention her name, but she was a big star. And he fired her because he hated her act. And she was a singer. And and he fired her. And he said, "I'm bringing in this guy who was just a weird act for him to bring in." So uh, I'll talk about that one after after I introduce my guest. But but sitting next to Harry, what happened was we're finishing the show. It's like three in the morning. You're drinking margaritas, trying to get to sleep. And at the time, I had been in a car accident, and I had a neck brace on. But we're sitting out in the lobby in one of the Harris, and a, we see these people in the distance, and they're they're looking like oh, they're giggling because they know it's Harry, and Harry's right there. And they kind of sheepishly walk over to us, and they. They've got a camera in their autograph books, and they look right at me. Now, I'm sitting next to Harry Anderson, but they look right at me, and Harry's got his customary fedora on, and I've got a neck brace on. And they look right at me, and they say, "Uh, excuse me, you're Harry Anderson, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And Harry laughs because he realizes that. These people think I'm Harry Anderson. So they said, Mr. Anderson, ugh, we saw your show tonight. We're so thrilled. We're such Nightcord fans and everything you've done and on Cheers. And would you mind taking a picture? And I said, I'd I'd love to take a picture. And then Harry quickly jumps in. He goes, let me take the picture. And you can be in the picture with Harry and I'll take the picture. So Harry jumps up. And he takes the camera. He's in disbelief this is all happening, but he's loving it. And he takes a picture of the three of us, these two people, me in a neck brace. And they take the picture. They're so giggly. And they thank Harry so much for taking the picture of them with Harry. And they go off. And I can't imagine when they got home to wherever they were in Ohio or whatever. And they were looking for the picture of Harry Anderson. And people are looking like, that's not Harry Anderson. That's some guy in a neck brace. I don't know who you think that is. Anyway, uh, that's uh, one of many Harry Anderson stories that I have. He is, uh, wow, what a trip. What a great guy that guy was. So let me introduce our guest today, Lynn Stewart. Could you get the drum roll, Dr. D? There's that famous drum roll. I like to think of her as the Judy Dench of improv comedy. She's that old. Uh, she she does. She has 144 credits on IMDb. You loved her as Bobby in American Graffiti. 
She played the lady who got killed on Hawaii Five O. <laughs> she, she's that lady. She played woman number one on Alice. Got to talk about that. <laughs> it's so fun going through old IMDb things. She was on a show called Husband, Wives, and Lovers, which I kind of remember. I do want to talk about that. But she's most famous for playing the most beautiful woman in puppet land on Pee Wee's Playhouse, Missy Vaughn. She played the lady in the audience on my show, Nightstand with Dick Dietrich. She also played Ellen the Lesbian on my show, Son of the Beach. She's now currently famous for playing Charlie's mother on Sunday in Philadelphia. And she's also famous for being the godmother of both my children. She owes it all to me, Dame Lynn Stewart. Give her a hand, everybody. Lynn, have you ever gotten an intro like that? Amazing. You added some of my woman number one. I mean, um, you you heightened my credit. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. I th- I think I was guy three in an episode of Trapper John. I love those credits. Woman number one. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll be woman number one. I'll take the job. I don't care. Plus, you went oh. to Hawaii, right? For that. I remember that Hawaii 5-0. I, I, I was in Hawaii on a tour with my family and I just called up Hawaii 50 on the uh, on the uh, on Oahu and said hi I'm an actress from the you couldn't do this now no but I hi I'm an actress from the mainland uh, I'd love to be in your show and they said come in tomorrow we're casting and then I got this little part where I played a detective but when I I pulled out my badge I said LAPD. And then my bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's very uh in, not indigenous and energetic of you to go do that. That's great. Industrious. Yes, yes. Oh, I wanted to tell you that I love that Harry story so much. I I met a homeless woman and I gave her $20 and she was so excited. She said, are you Sandy Duncan? And I said, <laughs> I am. It's so good to meet you. Oh, I love you. So I, I disappoint her. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She got 20 bucks from Sandy Duncan. Of course, the line would be like, really, Sandy, you're a big star. You can't give me 50. Um. <laughs> So, so um, now you were also very good friends with Harry Anderson. We went to his memorial. You're friends with his wife. Uh, is there something when I say Harry that comes to mind for you? When I first did Night Court, because I knew who I knew that you were close with him, and I said. Uh, and I had such a crush on him. I went, hi, <laughs> I'm Lynn Stewart. I'm, I'm friends with Tim Stack. And he said, oh, I know who you are. And he gave me a big hug. And I was like, oh, see, everybody, <laughs> here it is who I am. <laughs> Just thrilling to me. And to get to go out with Lucy's, you know. Yes, to Lucy's. those were good nights and i get to hang with you i was just i was just in heaven it was so much fun it was such a fun time in my life he would know i don't know how he did it the other guy who was like that i'm not name dropping here but it's just an amazing talent they both have is mark hamill who somehow absorbs more media than anybody else and harry knew about well uh, 
he came up to me at, at Nycorn. He said, hey, I hear you do this uh, funny uh, 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 Sinatra character. And it was a two-part episode, so I was there the next week. He said, can I see some video? So I saw the video. I, I showed him the video. And the next week, he said, hey, you want to open for me? We're going to do three weeks in Tahoe and two weeks in... I was like, yeah. But he had never really seen the act live. But he was so, like, of course he knew who you were. Because he would know stuff like... He would have, you know, a, a huge Pee Wee fan. That's exactly the kind of thing that he would be all over and just love. Really, um, yeah, just miss that guy. Um, and then we've gotten to spend time with his daughter, Eva, who is a super accomplished writer. Both I, his kids are great. They're really great and interesting kids. And, and Eva was already like at eight or nine, this fabulous, weird writer. You know, I mean, she's yes. a really kind of brilliant, sick sense of humor. Yes. And jokes, which was later, I mean, Judy Tenuta didn't steal it from her, but Judy Tenuta had a joke. Did you oh, did you ever go out on a date because you were too uh, lazy to kill yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he had that joke before when she was eight. That's so he, funny. Ever not kill yourself just because you were too lazy? Yeah. I always wondered why I loved Judy Tenuta's joke so much. It's because of Eva. Because I heard it on Eva, and I was so in love with Eva and her talent. I said, Eva, when you grow up and become a famous writer, I will work for you. I'll play the crazy old lady on the hill. I won't charge any money. I just want to be in your shows. You know, come in, come in, boys. I did a short comedy movie for her where I was this old woman who was like kind of on her way out and two college girls were like partying on my bed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I said, are you girls partying (laughs) my dream part that I had created for myself. And later she wrote for a Scott Ackerman on comedy, bang, bang. Right. his mother and i became um a semi-regular character because of what she wrote for me yeah and i playing his mother it was so much fun yeah that family i once went to uh we're talking a lot about harry anderson but that's cool um i once went to stay with him up in uh washington because i was up there and i had seen this show this english show that i thought i was the first one to find and it was called black adder it was rowan atkinson and 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 I saw the show, and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't wait to tell Harry, and I'll be with his family, and I'll tell them about this show, Black Adder. And I'd only seen one episode. So I get there, and we're having breakfast in the morning. I said, oh, my God, guys, you got to see this show. I just, I just discovered the show. Nobody knows about it. It's called, it's called Black Adder. And Dashiell, Harry's son, who was probably seven at the time, looks up, and he goes, yeah, which season? Which episode? Oh, my God. And he's seven. Yeah. And they knew all of Black Adder, of course. So, um, anyway. Genius. Yep. So, Lynn, let's talk about you. Because Lynn and I are very good friends. Like, she really is. She's the godmother of my children, my wife. And, and it, it, she's like a sister. And, but, but one of the things I love is that Lynn grew up in Beverly Hills in the 50s and 60s. So if you could just talk a little bit about what that world was like then, 
Because I just, from everybody tells me, it was like a little small town. Yes, it, it was. I, I came from Norwalk, California. I think it was like the first or second grade. But in Norwalk, we didn't learn to, we went to fire stations and we made peanut butter and things right. like that. And then I went to Beverly Hills school system and I was so lost because it, they, everybody knew how to read and everything. It must have been the first grade that I. <laughs> you mean, they taught the kids to read there. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher, are we going to learn to read? No, just stay with the peanut butter. That's all you need in life. <laughs> and, and so thank God for the arts and that I was expressive yes. and, and I got to be in, in school plays. We had a, a play, um, Nothing to Be Thankful For, and I got to play a teenage girl, and that was, like, really, really fun. Oh, and and a Christmas play where I was uh, Christmas Joy, and I got to have wings, and it was just like Miss Yvonne. I mean, I got to introduce the spirit of Christmas to Santa, you know, and I, I just went, oh my God, I want to do this. I want to just introduce people and laugh and have a good time, and that was what Miss Yvonne was like, so th that was wonderful, and I went to school with Richard Dreyfus, but yes. his name Ricky Dreyfus at the time, <laughs> and, and um, uh, he was so, and I later did improv with him at Roxbury Park, and he was already super intense. I mean, super talented, super funny. And I was walking home with him, and uh, we were talking about this this boy in in class who had done a, a small part on, I guess it was like uh, Gidget. You yeah, know, sure, Sally Field. Gidget. And he looked at me and he went, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> it was one of those moments in life where I think you're, you're it's like you see the future. Yeah. You know, I, I, I said to myself, remember this moment because he will do it. And I, I said, you will, Ricky, you will. <laughs> and then when he won an Academy Award, that's the first thing I thought of. If he right. was going to do that. And he was. He was he was like you. He was a really funny, terrible tease, you know. And, and he like I was a late developer. Yeah. Black so chest Tracy and sexless Stewart. <laughs> That's is that how they introduced you at the school assemblies? <laughs> and then I remember Greg Hines, who was in our class, not the famous Greg Hines, but this is Greg Hines. Uh, he said, he said, Lynn's flat. And Greg Hines said, where? And then I oh, thank you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so listen, we're going to, we're coming up on our short break. Um, I just want a couple of things to plug before we go to commercial. Be sure to always, I tell everybody, watch the show Sprung on uh, Amazon Freebie. It's really great. You know, second season, maybe I can't talk about that yet, but um Anyway, it's really, really fun. And that I do this show as part of the Jeremiah Show. Uh, and Jeremiah Higgins, who's not here, but is our producer, and Dr. D, the engineer. So I thank you both. So we're going to take our first break on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. I'm talking to the great Dame Lynn Stewart, the Judy Dench of improv. And I always love those jokes, the so-and-so of 
Like your character of the Groundlings, Lupe de Vega, I always called her, Lynn did this great character where she did impressions of famous people in Spanish. Maybe she'll do some later after the break. But I always introduced her as the Fanny Bryce of Central America. So I always like the so-and-so of so-and-so. So she's the Judy Dench of improv. Anyway, we're going to take a break. It's radio with TV Tim Stack. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freevee, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Oh, and you have something new, too, a new shell. Oh, yeah, Captain Carl gave it to me. Oh, Captain Carl. Was the captain here today? Yeah, but he had to go here today. Date? I mean... <laughs> a date? Okay. A little Missy Vaughn there from the original Pee Wee special. Isn't that right? That was from the Pee Wee special. For- yeah. did at the Roxy, and it was taped for HBO. Right. But originally at the Groundlings as a midnight show. Yes, yes. Okay, the I want to I want to talk about that. So just put that on on the back burner. But I also like growing up in Beverly Hills. Like it's it's funny to be around Lynn because she grew up around all these famous people that we're all sort of gaga about. Yet they're just people you grew up with. Like for example, I, I wrote down a list of you mentioned uh, Richard Dreyfus. Julie Cobb, who was the daughter of Lee J. Cobb, was a very good friend of yours, correct? My best friend in grammar school. I went over to Lee J. Cobb's house. Right. That's so crazy to me. You'd go over to the house, and it's Lee J. Cobb from on the waterfront. Like, hey, you want a soda or whatever? His wife, Mary, his beautiful wife, Mary, made a beautiful roast. A pot roast, and I was so excited to meet him. And the roast was so delicious. I kept eating. I kept, <laughs> I kept eating it. And then Julie mentioned uh, me to him, and he went, "Oh, is that your little friend who eats so much?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I can imagine that voice who eats so much. Um, so uh, now, Rob Reiner was he in your class? He was ahead uh, of me. I, I didn't know him very well because he was he was in the class ahead of me. But I knew that Ricky was really good friends with him. Right. And, and they all hung out together and did stuff. And 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 how about Albert Brooks, Albert Einstein? Yeah, uh, he was. I didn't have classes with him, but there was like a group and, and Ricky and 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 uh, uh, Al Einstein. They all hung out together and they did uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. And the rustics were uh, Albert Brooks and Ricky and Mike Lembeck. Wow. And who later on you took class? Or, yeah, later on, you would have taken classes with Harvey, his dad. Right, right, right. And he went on to be, you know, wonderful director and actor and yeah. everything. And then, uh, and and was Ed Bagley, was he a kid you grew up with, too? Ed Bagley Jr.? Later on, through Cindy. Cindy and him are very, very close. Okay. So, just, and well, I, we got to talk about Pee Wee, obviously. But, um, so then you, 
you go to L.A. City College, that's where you're going to start to take acting seriously? Is that how it happened? Yes, I went to L.A. City College and, uh, well, I guess seriously, I'm not a very serious person. <laughs> but You got I, 144 credits, there's some, and you called Hawaii Five O on your own, there's some seriousness there. I um, I met Cindy Williams there, right. and I saw her, and she was, and I thought, gee, I, I want to like her to be my best friend, <laughs> my best friend. Yeah, so it, to this day, so it, and she was. It, there's like people in my life, like I knew Ricky was going to be a star, and and just seeing. Uh, Cindy work. I knew she was going to be a star. She was already. She had volume, you know. And and I I would be on stage and I was like, mm, come over here. But Cindy would be like, hey, come over here, you know. <laughs> and I thought, well, she's going to be a star. <laughs> uh, one of the people Lynn did as Lupe De Vega was uh, Laverne. Uh, do do some Laverne in Spanish as Lupi de Vega. I'm trying to. Th- okay, okay, so okay, okay. I have to do some. Hey, yes, that's so Cheryl. <laughs> I I could do. Uh, oh, let's see. Oh, oh, I, I did. Uh, oh, on Golden Pond. Yes. I can do- okay, Ka- okay. Catherine Hepburn. So many years. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. A school general listen. Oh, I said in English. A school general, la loon. That's so funny. Okay, so um, is this a Doctor D? Is this audio okay? I feel like Lynn's going in and out. In my, at least in my uh, thing. Okay, uh, that's just me. So. Uh, so let's go to Pee Wee for a second. I wanted to talk about American Graffiti because both you and Cindy were in that. How did that, how did American Graffiti come out? Like, was that the two of you together getting that or was it totally separate? Cindy was close with uh, Fred Roos. Right, the great casting director. And so because I was friends with Cindy, Fred had me in. Um, and um, I auditioned, and uh, uh, then I didn't. I didn't hear anything. And and then my manager said, um, "Who was Cindy's manager?" And I, I, w- I went in and talked to George Lucas, and I didn't even read. I I just talked with him, and he was like, you know, answering in the phone. He wasn't like that, you know, in interested. You're like, well. And so I thought, well, nothing's going to happen with that. And then I found out that they were hiring in uh, San Francisco for the minor parts. So I did like with Hawaii, I moved to San Francisco. Did you really? I I stayed there a month and a half. And I was um, I and I was such a good decision on my part because from from that i got to do signings and i do you know i have i haven't done signings since COVID, but but uh candy clark cindy paul the matt ricky sometimes 
go out to car shows and events and sign autographs. And so I, I, I've been to Canada. I, I've been to Florida many times. And so it, it was like a whole other like side business that that movie opened up for me. And it was a classic. And I keep telling everybody, oh, it's a classic. It's going to be a classic. You know, this is going to be such a wonderful movie. And everybody, eh, get out of here. And the same thing with Bridesmaids. I had a little part in Bridesmaids. Oh, right. You were the mother-in-law. Right, right. And and I I I went around telling everybody, oh, this is going to be a giant hit. This would be, and that movie supported me for for. Uh, for almost a year because it was an international movie. And even though my part got cut and I had, a, I just made like little noises, you know, I worked for a month and a half on it. And, and uh, I was able to help my, my mother with caregivers and everything all from doing that movie and telling everybody, you know, I, I remember saying, this is going to be a giant hit and I'll get out of here. You know, <laughs> um, but American Graffiti, I yeah, for me, American Graffiti is George Lucas's best movie. I know everybody talks about Star Wars and Raiders. It's just like I love American Graffiti. I usually watch it twice a year, and I always just always want, love when Lynn shows up in the red VW. She's the girl driving the red VW that Richard <laughs> Dreyfus makes out with his old girlfriend. And um, so we got to talk about Pee Wee. So uh, let me s- set this up by telling you my recollection. Because that's how I met you, Lynn. That's you were in the Groundlings and then you left, but you came back into the Groundlings as part of Pee Wee. And I, I will tell people this: one of the most exciting times in my life was that little window where Paul. When I got into the Groundlings, which was huge, but then Paul was in the Groundlings show and then he left because he was going to go do his own show, and then that sort of happened at the same time when. Melrose Avenue was starting to explode. There was a used clothing store down the street. There was a punk record shop that's still there next to the Groundlings next door. And and you could see that Melrose was going to take off. And all of a sudden, one night, we did the show. And when I come backstage off the show, there are weird people backstage, like people with mohawks and people with... uh, Lots of uh, earrings and tattoos and glasses and and just weird people. And they were there to quickly install the peewee set into the Groundling Theater and do the show. And there were all these artists and people that who lived downtown. And I, I just remember it was such an eye-opening for me. Like, I had never seen people like... I had never spoke to a guy who had a mohawk you know like uh, and and lynn you were missy vaughn and that's how we met and people sort of you guys took over the theater and we would sort of phil hartman stayed because he played captain carl and john moody stayed um but anyway how did paul get you to do missy vaughn did he know you prior yes i was in the groundlings for years before the Pee Wee show, and then I left to do um, Funny You Should Ask. And I stayed at Funny You Should Ask for three years. And that was a different improv group for people that don't know. Yes. Michael Why did you leave the Groundlings? Yeah, I, I left. Why? What did, why? Because they weren't performing at the time. Oh. 
And I was going with Neil Thompson, who is a member of Funny You Should Ask, and I wanted to be with him on the weekends working with his group and Doris Hess and Michael yeah. McMahon. These were wonderful, wonderful improvisers out of uh, out of the Midwest that came out here and they continued working, working to this day. So, okay. So I didn't know the Groundlings weren't performing, I guess, because they were building the theater. Is that what was going on? And then they started performing at the same time that the we were doing the Pee Wee show. And Paul said, you know, why, why don't you just come back? And so I had to be re-voted in. Yeah, I remember and, that vote. Well, thank you for voting for me. I did not vote for you. I voted against you. <laughs> I said, she is a cancer to this improv group. Uh, no, I remember Tom Maxwell saying like, well, Lynn wants to come back. And was just like, yay. Everybody was like, yay. Um, see, I thought I remembered meeting you as part of Pee Wee, and then you came back to the Groundlings, but I could be wrong. So, so you just got, Paul just said you're playing Miss Yvonne. Paul said, do you, called me up and said, do you want to, uh, be in a show I'm creating? And, and I said, yes. And, and there's the same thing when I joined the Groundlings the first time, Gary Austin said, why don't you come down and work with us? And, and so I came down and, and worked with the uh, 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 workshop. And then I got a call from Tom Maxwell, uh, uh, you're in the Groundlings. <laughs> and I went, what? You know, because I, I didn't know I was auditioning. And right. I think people spending like four, five, six years and thousands of dollars going up through all the classes in the Sunday company. Right. And, and that's one thing that's good about being long in time in the saddle. I got in and I didn't even know I got in. That's so funny. I It took me a year to get in. And I think you're absolutely right. Now it's like joining the military or going like you have to commit like five years of your life, five, six years of your life. And then maybe you'll get in. Like, wow, is that a commitment? Um, yeah, and that Pee Wee show, it was just so special. And then it just sort of took off. And I really credit Paul and Pee Wee for taking the Groundlings and making it. I thought it just, Groundlings was great. And I loved being in it and it had a big following. But after Pee Wee, that place took a whole other, it just went into a whole other world stratosphere. And, and after uh, uh, Chick Hazard, after Phil Hartman yes. did the did the Olympic Arts Festival, yes, started filling up. That was the first, the groundlings filled up, and now it's always filled. It's always filled, and they do eight million shows a week and different shows, and they're all filled, which is great. It's wonderful. Um, okay, we're going to take another break. We got about thirty seconds left. I want to come back. I want to. Also talk about the Harvey Lembeck classes you took, because I know Robin Williams was in one of those classes. Um, and we got a lot more to talk about. We got, uh, we got to talk about the, about the shows you, you and I have done together. Talk about that. That's what America wants. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. I'm talking to Dame Lynn Stewart, and uh, we'll be right back. You're a salty old sea biscuit. Do you know anything about clams? <laughs> Notch, I've probably eaten over 100,000 clams in my day. Maybe a hair more. Well, what do you make of this one? 
Sand. Ooh, that's a bad clam, all right. There's only one thing that can make a clam go bad like that. Lack of ventilation? No, nuclear waste. <laughs> that That's right up there. Uh, maybe my favorite joke we did on Son of the Beach was uh, Ellen uh, discovering nuclear waste as part of the clams. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about nightstand and, and uh, Son of the Beach. But I do, they, why did or why and how did you end up with Harvey Lembeck, Harvey Lembeck's classes? Because his classes were famous in Hollywood at the time. Well, first I sat in on the, on the classes. I sat in on a, on a lot of classes, and I saw these people. I mean, like John Ritter was right. in the class, Mary Kay Plays, Carolita White, these wonderful, wonderful actors, and 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 uh, people that were on Mash and Happy Days, and it was it was phenomenal. It was electric, and the Groundlings had that same thing. I was so lucky to be part of companies and classes that were so electric and exciting with really, really great people. And then one time uh, I went up to Harvey and said that I would like to be in the class. And I gave him my picture and resume. And then he said, you can't be in the class. You haven't had the experience of the other people. And so I went outside. It was on Robertson Boulevard uh, and just started dry heaving. (laughs) (laughs) I sat on the curb dry heaving. How's that for an experience? And then uh, there was like a voice in my head and it said, like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You know, and then a couple of years later, I was I was at an audition at Hanna-Barbera for uh, for an for animation. And I had a mini dress on and, and my hair was curled and 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 um, Harvey Limbick came in. But nobody knew who Harvey Lembick was in the waiting room. You know, it was all. Did he come into audition for a different part? Yes, different part than Harvey. (laughs) And and I I thought now is my chance. It's now or never. And I went up to him and I said, aren't you Harvey Lembeck? Aren't you Eric Van Von Zipper from the Beach Party movies? And you go, yes, 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 sweetheart. Yes, 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 yes. And, and then I said, I sat in on one of your classes and, and you're just amazing. Come tonight. Come tonight. I'll put you up tonight. And he put me up. And the, he, this wonderful actor who went on to uh, produce uh, Captain... Um, Oh, Captain Kangaroo, Captain Kangaroo. Uh, he, he, I was, I was Frank Alicia was his name. I went up with Frank Alicia and Frank Alicia really set me up. He helped with jokes. He was like, like you do. You, I've seen you do that on stage. You help the person that you're with. Well, Frank, Frank was, uh, Frank was a lot like you. I'm sorry. He's no longer with us. And that's and, a lot like me too. Keep going. <laughs> And, um, and and then I got in the class. I got in the class right away. And he would tell people, you know, oh, oh, oh I saw her at Hanna-Barbera. I knew she would be amazing. You know, I, I said, no, I, I met you before that. I'm the girl that dry heaved. 
<laughs> he he didn't he never acknowledged that that That's I funny. had he as far as he was concerned I met him at Hanna Barbera and he knew that I was special and he put me up that night yeah so I that, didn't uh, go ahead sorry and I love studying with him yeah everybody loved Harvey I knew him because I worked at the Ginger Man restaurant in Beverly Hills and Harvey had his own stool at the bar. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely a little gold plate on the back that said Harvey Lembeck. Uh, that was even there after he passed away. They, they left the stool then and the restaurant went out of business. But that's how I knew Harvey. And he would oftentimes bring his, I may have waited on you. Like he would bring his class in to the re- oftentimes after class, sometimes there were some famous people like John Ritter. Uh, and I remember Robin Williams came in one night and which was kind of cool, but he was a very, very nice man and funny and, you know, and a great, awesome uh, career. So now we're going to talk about us, Lynn. We're going to talk about, uh, because there's so many things that I- I've been lucky enough to like get a project off the ground. And of course, the first thing I want to do is put Lynn in it. Like, you know, and it's, I guess it started with Nightstand or even before Nightstand, we did the Guy D. Simone special with Harry Anderson, with Steve Binder. I think yeah. that, and then we did the Guy D. Simone special in Reno and you played my love interest. You played my, uh, yes. Um, and, and part of it is like, Lynn is so much fun, but also she's just so good. I mean, you're, you just know you're going to get a great performance. And when I, I'm talking too much now, but when I look at the things I've put you in, they've all been different things. You know, the lady in the audience on Nightstand sort of became her own character. And Ellen on Son of the Beach was, you know, obviously its own character. So <laughs> anyway, it's been so much fun so doing much that. Fun. Yeah. Um, so let me talk about, I'm looking at my list here. We've gone through Harry Anderson. We've gone through who you grew up with. Um, so Raising let's. Hope. T- Raising Hope. I played the church lady on Raising Hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was another fun. Did you ever do a My Name is Earl? I don't think you did. I think oh, I had. I did one of them. I'm trying, okay, I'm trying to think great. which one I did. Um, so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about how much time we got, Dr. D. Okay, we got we got plenty of time. Um, so then I want to talk about uh, well, let's talk about some of the beach a little bit because that first of all, we could never do that character today or any of those jokes today. Um, but I have to say it was really, really fun uh, being able to do those jokes. and I'd love to hear your response to that yeah. um, I Son of the Beach was was like I, I didn't know whether I could be able to do it, and then um, I I'm friends with Getty Watanabe and John Brace, and I said I don't know whether I can do this stuff about the clams and everything, and they were they're gay, and they were we were at the museum, the LA County Museum, they were all, literally on the floor laughing, right? They so hard and said you have to do this part it is so funny you have to do it and one thing i loved about ellen is that i was part of the action 
Nobody ever, you guys, never wrote anything to put Ellen down. You know, she was never, never put down. She was always part of the, when she had a, was in the episode, she was part of the story. She was part of the solution. And and to be, I don't know how old, old I'm, I'm 75 now. I don't know how old I did. I was in my 60s when we did, I guess, Son of the Beach. I think maybe and your 50s, because it's like 20 years ago now. Oh, okay. But I got to work with stuntmen. I mean, almost every week I got to work with stuntmen. And, I, and that was so thrilling to me. To, to, and I always thought, you know, guys get to have more fun. I mean, they don't have to wear makeup. They get to run around. They get to shoot people. They get, I mean, guys have right, you more got to, fun. You got to shoot people on that show, didn't you? <laughs> well, I carried a gun. Yeah. And, um, and I got to do that that scene with the um, that where, where I held a gun to Opie's dad. Yes, face. that's right. He was a uh, he was a college dean who was also a pimp. And Ellen, that was like your episode. I remember writing that. Like you took over that episode. That was great. What was his first name? Rance his- Howard. Rance. Howard was his last name. It was Rance. Rance Howard. Oh my God! And, 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 and he was also he was, on the Seinfeld that I did. He played the blind guy on the Seinfeld that I did. Oh, he was—he was so funny and so great. Yeah, I couldn't believe that we got—we got Ron Howard's father to play a college pimp who was a dean who was pimping out students on the uh, and and Ellen shuts him down. The thing that I—you uh, said something interesting, which is about about never demeaning. I like clearly. Ellen was a stereotype character. We had Jack Riley from the Newhart show, Bob Newhart, you know, playing this uh, homeless guy. But again, it, we we never thought we were demeaning to gay women or homeless people because they were included. My mind kind of goes back like people will say like, and I, I'm sure this is going to, you know, other people would say this is so wrong. But when I look at the little rascals, and Buckwheat was like such a funny character. I don't think of at that as a racial. I could see why it would be. My mind goes to he's part of the gang. He's what? just part of the gang. And that's how I thought of Ellen and Chappie. And we made fun of, you know, with with Nazis, with the Chip Rommel character. And I just thought, like, they're part of the gang. So, <laughs> Uh, okay, we are now we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Sunny in Philadelphia. Talking to Lynn Stewart. Uh, this is It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of the Jeremiah Show. So listen. Okay, well, 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 was he here on the night of the murder? Uh, no. Mom, don't lie, okay? Okay, yes. Why, Bonnie? No, no. Mom, if you know something, you gotta tell me. I can't lie to my Charlie. Good, tell me everything. Okay, they were both here. They were both inside me. Eduardo was in my mouth and Luther was in my butt. Oh, boy, that show. I, I love watching Sunny in Philadelphia. I once got hired to write promos. This was during a writer's guild strike, and I got hired to write promos for the show on radio, and I had to watch every episode. It was just, oh, my God, it was so much fun. So how did you get that part? 
Did you audition? I did audition. Um, John Brace, who we were all friends with, was technical director at the Groundling, and his best friend was and is John Papsadira, the right. casting director. Who's still and a I very big John, casting director. I knew John Papsadira socially, and he had me in to read. And um, it was a it was a scene. Uh, Charlie gets molested. It was one of their first episodes, and originally it was a of a, a priest and they no no they couldn't do that so it it, it was a, and it ended up he wasn't molested it was just a story that was but charlie thought he was yeah, thought, yeah. by his uncle oh no that's another that's another character and that's a that's a yeah that's a he has to be really careful of that uncle uh <laughs> but this was this was a, a made-up story by two brothers right the together uh and uh, I was crying in the scene because I heard that Charlie had been molested and I was so upset. And John Pepsodera was like rolling on the uh, floor laughing at me crying. Yeah. And I what was so funny. And in the middle of the scene, I just went, John, because he was on the floor. And <laughs> and then they showed it to the guys. And I look a little bit like Charlie. Yeah, so that, no, it was perfect. That's another reason why I got it, because I, I, I look like Charlie. And, and originally, I kept asking the guys, where's her husband? You know, where, we don't know yet. You know, we didn't know what happened. And then, and then um, I could have been Danny DeVito's. I was his bang maid. And, and uh, I could have been, uh, Charlie could have been our son. Right. Um, so is that show... You don't have to dish any dirt or anything, but is that show, I look at that show and I think, is it professional? Like, are, or are those guys like, eh, we'll get around to it, or, or is it professional? I, I mean, it, it seems like it may be like very much like, we got a club, let's put on a show. Well, that, that's a great question, because it is scripted. And the guys do the scene scripted, and then we do it a couple of times, and they uh, improvise. And and for me, like a lot of times that there'll be a script like the Christmas episode where I slept with all the Santa Claus. Right. I mean, she she ended up being at first she was very Catholic, very naive, and then she's kind of a slut. Right. I mean, you know, she sleeps with a lot of guys. <laughs> and get Christmas presents for her son, she would bring Santa Clauses upstairs. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. I have to look for that episode. That sounds really fun. And and um, so so they I I have to there was just they enter so I they let me improvise oh I cut sit down I'm so happy to see you my little ginger boy and stuff like that and the, another time that it's good to be long time in the saddle is because you really really have to listen uh, because you don't want to step on the guy's lines right but you have to get in information like you know oh, oh, I'll bring the uh, cookies and drinks i'll be right back and things like that and and so i i know i know that that i can do that as being having so many years i've been improvising since i was 15 years old right so i can i really really try and listen and get 
key lines in uh, while they're making jokes, you know, and, and be able to, to do it in, in sequence. Right. So funny and kind. Like one time I blew a line and, and, and Charlie was like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sorry, I blew that line. I don't care. You know, the, <laughs> and Sandy, who, who plays, uh, yeah. you know, my, my roommate. Right. Uh, when she says a, a line like, ah, you know, they, the guys just crack up and we just have to wait for for uh, the guys not to laugh. Right. So it is a very relaxed uh, set and they're all married to each other and they've all known each other for years. Right. So it's uh, it, it's a very relaxed fun set to work on. Um, that's really good. That's really, really good to hear. Uh, and I did have quite like Sandy Martin. For those of you who don't know, is like the aunt in Napoleon Dynamite, and then uh, she was in Big Love. It's like this gay Mormon mastermind. It's just what a career she's had. And I would just, I can't help but think she's sort of what you get is what you get. You know, the way you're describing her now with the cigarette, and it's like that's Sandy. That's Sandy, and Sandy auditioned for Ellen. She auditioned. She was right the second choice. And she, and she said, and when she left, she said, good luck, you clam diggers, to the rest of the women <laughs> who were out there. And, and, and I thought, and, and I said, uh, I, and then when I went into audition, you were all my friends and you wanted me to get it. And I said, why don't you hire her? I'm doing her. You know, she's a real thing. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. But the difference was, and I can remember we talked about it. First of all, we wanted Lynn and Dave Morgison, one of the other uh, EPs on the show, is also good friends with Lynn. And we wanted Lynn. But Sandy was like the real deal. Like, she's the real deal. But we, we again, it goes back to we did not want to, uh, we wanted all these sub characters. Uh, to be so much fun, you know, like Chip Rommel, you know, he's like this bodybuilder who has sort of weird Nazi leanings. We sort of still wanted him to be fun because we grew up watching Hogan's Heroes where Nazis were funny. Um, and so Ellen, we didn't we wanted her to be more fun than the real deal. Um, and I remember talking to Howard Stern about it and him sort of saying the same thing, like, no, 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 no. She's great. She's, uh, Lynn is great. Plus he was a huge Wee fan. So that, that we were able to win him over. Um, but, but Sandy Martin, I still, wow, on that show. So, um, so Lynn, are you, you are not retired, but you're not, you're not calling casting offices in Hawaii looking for work. No, I, I, I have things that I, I love doing, like, like the readings on, on Friday. And, and I just did a TikTok. Uh, did you say, uh, you did say TikTok, didn't you? TikTok where it's, uh, Tracy and I sang a, a song, uh, uh, Annie Corson, who is like the queen of TikToks, had had Tracy and I on and, and TikTok is like a whole new world. Oh, it's for unbelievable. Me. So, okay. Is this out there? This TikTok, is it out there already? Uh, my handle, I think is the real Lynn Stewart. Okay. <laughs> that was a good one you came up with. So, okay. Let's look for that because it's huge. And when you say Tracy, we should tell people that that is Tracy Newman. 
uh, basically one of the founders of the Groundlings. You could say that uh, right there with Gary Austin. Uh, her younger sister, Lorraine, was one of the first people on Saturday Night Live. Uh, and now her niece is one of the stars of that show, Hacks. Right. Um, and yes. And um, anyway, so, okay, so we're going to look for that on TikTok. Is there anything else that we can look for you in? Uh, no, other okay. than my TikTok, my virgin TikTok career. Well, you've got TikTok. That's more than me. I'm just waiting for Greg Garcia. That's all I do now. It's like waiting for Godot. I'm waiting for Greg Garcia. Um, but Lynn, thank you. This was really, really great. Again, Lynn is one of my closest friends. Uh, she's close with all my friends and knows them all. And, oh, my and, God. You uh, have such great friends. And because of you, I get to have these great friends. Um, yes. And, and Lynn truly is the godmother uh, to my kids. And... Um, and we, she was at the wedding and my daughter. And um, uh, anyway, Lynn, I'm being told we have uh, time to kill. Oh, we do. So hey. let me go back and look at my list, okay, of things that I was going to talk to you about. Um, and we talked about Harry Anderson. We talked about. So let me talk a little bit. You know what was interesting to me? This is This could get borderline serious, but. You grew up in Beverly Hills, and there was like, what was the dividing line between sort of rich Beverly Hills and poor Beverly Hills? Not that you were poor Beverly Hills. I was poor Beverly Hills. Okay, explain that. Explain what that whole thing was. Like on our NAS Drive, where I grew up, part of the place I grew up with apartments, and most of the people... Uh, it, it was divorced women lived on uh, on uh, our NAS drive. It was a lot of, uh, and we could walk to school. That was so great. We could, we, it was just a half a block a, away. And I lived by, uh, then I moved to Robertson and Olympic, that area. And it was, it, it wasn't, it, but it wasn't in the hills. The hills are where a lot of the rich people lived. I mean, we weren't poor. There was right. Your dad was a lawyer, and 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 and, but I know they they refer to the flats of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And then there were the kids in Beverly Hills. In school, was there like a demarcation line among kids, or did everybody play together and get along together? People. What what I loved about going to Beverly Hills high school and grammar school and stuff like that is that I, I know there's people from the Midwest that they say their family didn't want them to go into show business and, you know, stay here with a furniture company and stuff like that. That never happened in Beverly Hills. If you wanted to be a dancer or an actor or an artist, uh, it, because they're, their parents, the kids' parents were making millions of, of dollars. You know, I went to school with uh, Gail Martin, Dean Martin's daughter. And, and uh, so, so it was that, that way it was a great place to, to grow up. But people were conscious of your clothes. Like, like I, I remember I had an orange, uh, orange skirt and an orange sweater. And I thought, oh, I'm really hot stuff with my new orange sweater and orange right. skirt. And people, girls would come up to me and say, uh, don't break that set up. You know, don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, 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 and those were like young teenage girls and they already had that that social con i mean that uh consciousness about clothes and d- don't break that don't break that setup so when you say you're friends with dean martin's daughter like did you go to his to that house did you ever go to visit at that house only school and claudia martin is a singer uh and and uh and she was in my art class. And I remember she said, Lynn, get get up. There was like kind of a stage in the art class. Yeah. Got up and she drew me real fast and then sent it in and won a contest. Really? And I was so proud that my picture won that contest. And were you around through the whole, because I talked to other people about, I've talked to other people about this, uh, the whole Dino, Desi, and Billy thing? Was that, was that in your time? It was much, much later. But I'm I'm really happy that I grew up in Beverly Hills because first of all, I'm never I'm never uncomfortable around extreme wealth because you know, I go to these six sweet sixteen parties of very, very wealthy friends of mine. Right. And uh, and it also influenced my sense of humor so much because people were funny, right. you know. And and there was really a uh, str- uh, my school was ninety five percent Jewish. If I, I went to school on a Jewish holiday, it'd be me and a couple of surfers and an artist named Norton Wisdom, who was my friend. And and oh, he was a he was a surfer slash artist. Right in school. <laughs> and and, um, and so I'm really really happy for that background. Right. Because me it helped me in my writing and my comedy and 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 uh, i'm i'm just i'm really really proud of of where i grew up yeah no it's it's just again coming from outside of philadelphia i'm just so enamored with these stories because we grew up watching lucy and the, all these shows and then you realize well they all had kids and the kids had friends like lynn who uh, who just grew up in this world? This kid, uh, he's a kid. I don't know how old he is. Jonah Hill, like who's so successful now, a similar upbringing, like just grew up with show business, so he was never uh, phased by it. Like, oh my God, me moving out from Philadelphia. If I met anybody who was a star or any, I was just so nervous and blown away by what they had. So. Uh, or what was, you know, what I thought they had. Um, anyway, Lynn, thank you so much sure. for doing this. Um, can you talk for another three hours? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Lucy's used to take me to Lucy this uh, time of year, every, every year. Well, let's like- go someplace else. Lucy's is closed. Unfortunately, a victim of COVID. No, I know that's what made me sad. Okay. But Musos, you, you've always yeah. taken Musos and and the Palm and I, and that Mexican restaurant near you. We went there, sort of at the what we thought was the end of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Lynn, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I love you. Our family loves you. We love you. The world loves you. It's Dame Lynn Stewart. Uh, thank you again to Doctor D, the engineer. Jeremiah Higgins has yeah. been part of the Jeremiah Show. He's uh, such a mensch for letting me do this, and uh, we'll see you next time on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. 
Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at Jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly.